You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today we are going to be looking directly at the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of getting a little bit of flavor for who they are. Um, it's a little bit of an anomaly because it's they're really good. Um, and I'm, I'm going to explain why maybe they're not as good as a lot of people think while at the same time trying not to give the impression that I'm trying to undercut them and say they're not good, because I'm not. If you listen to the way the the Packers coaches and assistant coaches talked about the Chiefs, there was nothing but respect and and borderline reverence for what Andy Reid has built for that team, especially special teams, by the way. But they're they're not a perfect team, I I guess is maybe the bigger point. They have flaws just like every other team. And so I want to look at them a little bit more clearly as opposed to just, you know, looking at it through the national media lens, which, you know, right now there's a love affair with the Chiefs. And look, you can't really be that mad about it. It it gets annoying, but let's all remember that the the Packers had like a five-year run of this. There was a five, at least, where it was every year the Packers are the Super Bowl favorites. Every year, you know, the Packers were the favorites to win the game. I mean, there would be 16 games where the Packers would go in as the favorites. They wouldn't win all 16, but they were the best team in the NFL or close to it. And they had Aaron Rodgers, and everybody was gushing over Aaron Rodgers. And everybody had to endure that for a long time. And look, I just think it's, you know, the the Chiefs have, have done some incredible things. Pat Mahomes has done some incredible things. It's annoying that the media does that. But, um, you know, I mean, to... To give an example of exactly what I'm talking about, there are times when, well, most of the time I'm not watching these games, but you just kind of get little snippets from Twitter and whatnot. During two weeks ago, during the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs game, I legitimately thought all day that the Chiefs won that game. All day I thought the Chiefs won because all anybody could talk about was how great the Chiefs were. It was highlight reel after. They lost to the Texans. Nobody talked about Deshaun Watson. Nobody talked about how great the Texans were. I mean, it was 31-24. to 24. It was kind of a brutal beating. But all anybody could talk about was, wow, look at Pat Mahomes. Isn't he dreamy? Let me, let me give you an example that a lot of guys can probably relate to in high school. There's two guys. One of, the, both of them are very quiet. One of them is very attractive. One of them is very unattractive. The attractive one, the girls all said, was mysterious. The unattractive one was creepy. <laughs> He was weird. That's kind of how the media is. They pretend and they genuinely believe that they don't really care about these, you know, superficial things. But they absolutely do. Guys are the same way, by the way. But my audience is mostly men, so I'm trying to, you know, play in the crowd here. By the way, same thing is true uh, with the Minnesota Vikings game. I didn't watch a second of it. Super, super tired. Didn't really care. I mean, it ended the way everyone kind of knew it was going to end with a Vikings victory. But everything was just, it, it was just, and I mean, I mean, obviously Dalvin Cook must have had a great day. I mean, I saw some of the stats and whatnot, but I would have thought based on what I saw that the Vikings won 42 to nothing. 
And so I'm looking at all this stuff as I wake up the Twitter feed and just like, oh, man, the Vikings are just, this is incredible. They're, they're just unstoppable. Come to find out it was 19-9. to 9. Like, what? It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? It's the Washington Redskins. I don't know, but all right, cool. Made me Definitely made me happy, although, I mean, Dalvin's the man. By the way, can we rewind the clock one year? When I made the offhand comment that I thought Dalvin Cook was kind of like Ezekiel Elliott, and it, it wasn't even meant to be a one-to-one comparison, but I was trying to explain that Dalvin Cook is legit, he just doesn't have an offensive line, and that when I watched them in college, the biggest difference between the two is that Ezekiel Elliott went to the number one offense in football and Dalvin Cook went to the worst offense in football. And somebody, several people, but somebody in particular called me out, how dare you ever even say that Ezekiel is a god and Dalvin Cook is horrible. They're not even on the same same planet. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, what up now, son? See, I, I, all I'm trying to do is warn you guys. Just trying to tell you, Dalvin Cook is pretty good. Kirk Cousins, bad contract, but be careful because he can be kind of good. Offensive line, don't worry about it. Diggs and Thielen. Probably the best wide receiver doing football. Just trying to warn you guys. Just telling you. It's Neil Hunter. Nobody talked about him, but he led the league in sacks last year. Nobody knows that, but it's a thing. Watch out for Everson Griffin, by the way. He had a bad year, but the guy's pretty good. I did miss big time on Kendricks, although I, I stand by what I said. He hasn't been very good, but he's playing out of his mind this year. It's very similar to me talking trash about King, and he's just he's having a lot of success this year. A lot of really bad stuff, but he, he is he is even exceeding my expectations. I miss sometimes. I wish I would miss more on talking about the Packers and less about the Vikings. But either way, as we transition entirely away from the Pat Mahomes thing and talk about the Vikings real quick, um, you know, it's still hard to tell because the Packers and Vikings are both just kicking a bunch of bad teams right in the head. But I'm I'm standing on my I'm standing on my prediction that these teams will be around 12 win and and what I'm going to do is give myself a game either way meaning between 11 and 13 wins for both the Packers and the Vikings is my prediction and I predict that both of them will be in the playoffs I was trying to look at it It looks like the last time that's happened is 2014 the Green Bay Packers are 12 and 4 the Detroit Lions were 11 and 5 the last time there were two teams that were 12 wins and above which is kind of what I'm leaning toward my my prediction was the Packers are 13 and 3 the Vikings are 12 and 4 and really the only reason that I saw it that way because they're basically going to tie is because the Packers are going to beat them again. But we'll see. The Vikings could very well win that game, and it's Vikings 13-3, and whatever. The last time that happened was 2001. The Chicago Bears were 13-3. and The Packers were 12-4. and By the way, third place that year was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 9-7. and That was the last year of the, uh, the NFC Central. It's crazy it was that recent. I mean, I, it's not recent. I can't... Uh, I feel like time stopped it in like 2001. Like, oh yeah, it was like a year ago, right? Was that like five years ago? Almost 20 years. It's unbelievable. Getting old, man. So anyways, uh, yeah, going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun competition. So before we get to the Chiefs, where are we at? Um, first of all, thank you. There was a flurry. I, I, I need to remember to just ask you guys for stuff because you are fantastic at, um, you know, listening and whatnot, which makes sense because it's a podcast, so. But we're up to uh, 480 members. It was a flurry that got into the Facebook group. So, again, I would just encourage you to to get in there. I, I don't know too many people that are disappointed when they get in there. I really do like the group because it's very unusual. Occasionally people get a little heated, and there's some unnecessary banter, which is annoying. But for the most part, and, and you know, what is this? Schlip and slide? What is this? 
Excuse me very much, Nathan. It doesn't even mean anything. What is going on? The group is so weird. I'm, I'm taking control back of the posts. Anyways, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's fairly unusual in terms of, for the most part, it's just... It's not like every other Packers group where there's a lot of fighting and arguments about, you know, Colin Kaepernick or whatever random things continually keep popping up. By the way, do not do that. Anyone trying to start a fight in the group is just going to get kicked out of the group. I don't care if you have an opinion, but you know what's going to start a fight. You're not four years old. You're not dumb. Neither am I. Don't start stuff just to be a jerk. I'm trying to brag about how this is the greatest Packers group, and as long as it is, I can keep saying it and keep getting more people. And if you mess with that, I'm not going to like you very much. That's all I'm trying to get across to you right now. So do that. You guys messed up again. I just checked. We're at 262 iTunes ratings. I'm starting to lose faith in your ability to follow instructions. So let's try this again, shall we? I'm looking for round numbers, folks. I need eight volunteers. Talk amongst yourselves. Find eight people that uh, are listeners that want to help out the show that can go leave five-star iTunes reviews. By the way, something to keep in mind. If you leave a review, please keep track of it because there's going to be more giveaways. As we get closer to super round numbers like, oh, I don't know, 300, which is rapidly approaching, there might be possibly be some sort of giveaway and since this isn't instagram where i can just message you directly try to take a screenshot of it or something i know that's not the best way to do it because anybody can just go in and take a screenshot of whatever but i really don't see any purpose for somebody to take a screenshot of somebody else's when you could literally just leave a review and just take a screenshot of so i'm trusting nobody's going to do that and steal a prize from somebody but just something to keep in mind. So if you haven't done that yet, please do that and then save it because there, I'm going to be giving something away at 300. I don't know what it is quite yet, but um, I mean it's a big milestone. I, we got to celebrate, right? We'll have a party. I would say tacos, but I don't know how to send that via the post office. And then uh, oh, Instagram. That's the big one. Currently, giveaways going on. I know y'all are on Instagram. Don't even lie. I know you're embarrassed about it, and that's fine. That's understandable. But I mean. It's all right. Like, just slip in there, follow me, and we just, we won't talk about it. Like, I'm not going to stalk your pictures and be like, oh, look, he likes, you know, ballet or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever you're into is fine. I'm not going to make fun of you. I mean, I would, but I'm, I'm not even going to look at your stuff, so it's fine. Like, we don't have to make eye contact and make it weird. Like, just follow me and we'll just move on. It's your life, man. Do whatever you want. I don't care. But we are still uh, 100, trying to do some math. 113 followers away. So we've got a, kind of a long way to go. Things have stalled out once we hit 300, as though you don't realize there's more jerseys. Based on the listenership of this audience, I should be able to say I'd like a 1,000 listeners, and it's done by the end of the day. But, you know, sometimes i got to be pushy. So we'll do it the hard way. Go to Instagram. Just, you know, grab your phone right now. Instagram. Type in Packernet Podcast. Click follow, and you're entered. I'm giving away two signed jerseys. Both come with certificates of authenticity. So, anyways, this is the longest intro I've ever done. Why don't we take a break? 11 minutes. What in the world? Today's episode of the Packernet Podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. The brand new streaming news network. It's live 24-7. Costs you not a single thing. It's sports coverage. It's always on and always free. Always. So, as I've said, one of the nice things about it is that it's it's basically, you know, free television on your phone. And they've got all the kinds of, all the highlights and stuff. So, for example, as I said, I didn't watch a single second of the game. So, 
pop open the app 21 minutes ago. Vikings surge past Redskins on Thursday Night Football 19-9. So it's a, it's a highlight video, right? So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Just, just, just get it rolling. Actually, do want to watch that in a little bit, probably when I'm done here. But it's also nice because when, and I, I didn't usually watch a lot of ESPN type stuff because it just, I, I didn't care. And they always talked about stuff I didn't care about. The cool thing is, again, these are little snippets. So each segment gets its own snippet. So you just scroll through and find what you want to watch. You watch the little five minute snippet, and you're good. You're all caught up. So it's, it's super convenient. You get what you want when you want. Just got to download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, whatever. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So as I said last week, one of the things I really like to do, especially as we're getting later into the season, is just kind of look at the trends over the last, uh, you know, over the course of the year, I guess. Uh, one of the things that immediately stands out, there, there's two things. Number one, um, on, in their last three weeks, and remember, Pat Mahomes has only missed one game, and in, in their last three weeks, the Kansas City Chiefs are 1-2. and two. Their only win coming in the game that Pat Mahomes got hurt, meaning Pat Mahomes is 0-2 in his last two games, and really, they have not beaten a single good team. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Oakland Raiders, the Baltimore Ravens, the Detroit Lions, and the Denver Broncos. There was a time when we thought that the Baltimore Ravens were really good. I don't think that's the case so much anymore. I mean, maybe. They're 5-2, they're and two, which is a good record, I guess. And they did beat the Seahawks, so I, I, whatever. All right, so they beat one good team. Everyone else they beat is trash. Dolphins, Cardinals, they beat the Steelers in overtime and the Bengals. That's nothing. So after going 4 and 0 they've they've slid to 5 and 2 and again the the best team they're going to play this year is probably the or not this year but so far this year is going to be the Green Bay Packers possible exception being the Houston Texans and again the Houston Texans beat them pretty easily it was 31 to 24 um the first thing again I try to look at at correlation causation type stuff in other words put their scores in order and see if there's any correlation between points scored or points given up and wins and losses. Same is true with yards and turnovers and all that stuff. Um, There isn't seemingly, again, relatively small sample size, there isn't that big of a correlation as far as the defense giving up points. And I think what you're seeing is it's, they, they, again, they're the 2011 Packers. It's not about how many points the defense gives up because the offense has the ability to outscore everyone. 
So, for example, and we, we could say over 30, I guess, because only one team has put up more than 30 points against the um, the Chiefs, and they won. But in every other situation, the Chiefs have won. The only other loss came against the Indianapolis Colts, 13-19. to Now, sticking with that same theme, saying that, you know, it doesn't so much matter about the defense, it's a matter of the Chiefs outscoring you, then you would kind of assume that wins and losses would have more to do with how many points the Chiefs score, and that seems to be the case. Now, again, when you only have two losses, it's hard to kind of draw a very definitive line, but we can get our pencil out and kind of draw in a general line. The Chiefs, again, we we should understand this because this is very similar to how the Packers used to be back in the day. All of their wins have come when the Chiefs scored at least 28 points, which is a crazy high number. When they've scored under 28 points, they're 0-2, 24-31, 13-19. to right, The Chiefs are not the kind of team that can score 13 points and weather that storm. Again, we understand how that goes. So that's, that's going to be a very big key, meaning as much as, as it's great to get Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes going toe-to-toe and just lighten this thing up and trying to make it like that Packers-Falcons game all over again where the first team to kick a field goal loses, I really think the key to this is for the defense to really try to shut down the Chiefs. And I don't mean shut down as far as zero points because that's not going to happen. But you keep them to like a normal score of like 24-ish points, which is a pretty decent average-ish score in the NFL. I don't know how well they're going to be able to hold up. And and part of the equation, again, is the defense isn't very good, right? It, the, 24 points is good enough for, let's just say every team in the NFL scored 24 points against the let me rephrase that. Let's say the Chiefs scored 24 points in every one of their games. They would be 3-4 and four right now. The Jaguars scored 26, the Ravens scored 28, the Lions scored 30, and the Texans scored 31. So keeping their offense in check is probably going to be the best way to, to beat them because I don't think the Packers are going to have a problem putting up 25, 6, 7, 8, 30 points. Right? The Packers' offense is getting into a rhythm. I think they're averaging like 30 points per game over the last three games or something crazy. For, or, or since week, what was that graphic? I think it's on my Instagram. Let me check. 30.6 points per game since week three. So again, I don't think the offense is going to be the problem here. Now, obviously, if they play like garbage, that's a problem. But I, I just think the offense going out and just doing what the offense has been doing, Devontae or not, they'll be fine with, with, the, with the objective of, hey, just try to get above 24. Or 28, for that matter. 28 is, is hard, no matter the opponent. I'm, you know, But still, I, I, I think on average, um, it wouldn't be that unreasonable to expect 30 points from the Packers. And again, I think the objective for the defense is they're going to get yards. They're going to get a lot of them. Try to limit that as best as you can, but most of all, make sure you're taking away points. If we can do to them like we did to the, the Raiders and the, the Lions, which essentially was they're kind of gashing us, but we're not letting touchdowns happen. For the most part, right? The Lions, they just completely took t- touchdowns off the table. Because, I mean, look, it's it's hard to get to 24 points when you're just kicking field goals. What is that, like eight field goals? That's not going to happen. And again, we know they're going to get touchdowns. I mean, they're going to have success. But th- this is, I think this, this game is going to be largely on the defense. And the defense has been fluctuating a lot, which is weird to me. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm just used to the good players are good and everyone else is bad. That's that. I feel like that's typical Packers protocol. We've got our list, and it's a pretty big list of guys that are just good all the time. Aaron Rodgers is good. Devontae's good. Bakhtiari's good. Balaga's good. Kenny Clark is good. Right? You go down the list, you got guys that are good. and got, The defense doesn't have that. They got guys that are good sometimes. You got guys that are good most of the time. 
You got guys that are good once in a while. You got guys that haven't been good yet, but are probably going to have good games at some point. And it's just a matter of like who's going to step up this week, and how are we going to overcome the people not stepping up? Like last week was zero sacks, and I understand that had a lot to do with how the Raiders played the game, but it's like we know somebody's not going to step up, so we need somebody else to step up. It's just it's a weird kind of very uncomfortable thing because I feel like we can't count on anyone, but yet as a unit you can always count on them. It's very weird, kind of like how individually all your bills aren't that big a deal, and you look at your paycheck, and you're like, I'm going to smile. I'm, I'm going to absolutely smash you, dude. I'm going to annihilate you. Do you know how much I get paid? Like, literally thousands of dollars every month. Like, you don't even know. Multiple, like, more than 1000 in a month. What are you, like, $9 a month? Dude, Netflix, you're going to get stomped out, bro. But then, like, together, the bills win. So, you know, the bills win. That's interesting. I feel like there's a... Should have been able to make a joke out of that. Anyways, you get the point, right? As, as, as a group, they tend to get the job done. Um, something else I found interesting as I'm going through this is if you look at yards, there is almost a direct correlation except for one game, and that's the Denver Broncos. And the reason that's really interesting is because it tells me that there was some weird anomaly with the Denver Broncos because the lowest yardage total by a lot was the game against the Denver Broncos. The two other lowest games are their losses against the Colts and the Texans. So that tells me a couple things. Number one, yardage does play into this, which is kind of self-evident. Yardage, a lot of times, I mean, this is what Petten said, yardage very often leads to scoring, so we, we try to minimize the yardage. It also takes the, uh, the offense off the field, but whatever. So number one is there is a correlation between yardage. Number two, the Chiefs beating the Broncos, although it was a, an annihilation, there was some kind of a weird anomaly where they didn't go for very many yards, but they still scored like 30 points. The biggest thing that I'm noticing, however, with the exception of week three, when they got their most yardage, their yards have gone down every single week. So again, skipping week three, their yardage is 491 in week one, week two, 467, week four, 438, week five, 324, week six, 309, Week 7, 271. So the offense is trending downward in terms of yardage. And also, looking at it and saying, well, when Pat Mahomes left the field, they still steamrolled the Broncos. And, you know, I think there's something to the fact that they're still going to be in a, an effective offense without him. But there is a clear drop-off in offensive production. Now, there's been a massive drop-off even with Pat Mahomes, but I find that to be very interesting that it's been less effective every single week. Again, with the exception of week three when they passed for or, or had a total of 503 yards. And a big part of that was actually the rushing yards. If we look at passing yards, it actually is, it's almost exact, this, this is crazy. Passing yards specifically, it's actually in order with the exception of weeks one and two is reversed. So passing yards is starting at week two, then one, then three, four, five, six, seven, 436, 378, those two again are reversed. But then starting in starting in week three, it's 363, 315, 288, 256, 191. So it's gone down every week with Pat Mahomes, and then it drops from 256 down to 191 when Pat Mahomes leaves. 191 passing yards is nothing. I know they scored 30 points. I don't know how they did it. They only had 80 rushing yards and 191 passing yards. I don't know if these are defensive touchdowns or what. Defense only had one turnover, so I, I don't know. Special teams maybe? Great field position, I I got nothing. But that is very interesting. Now, I'm not saying expect the Chiefs to come out and be garbage. 
right? A, a lot of that 500-yard game against the Baltimore Ravens came on the ground, 140 rushing yards. So we got to be careful because if Pat Mahomes does play and he puts up just a pretty standard like 350 yards and we give up 150 yards, guess what? That's 500 yards. But again, I'm, I'm just trying to roll back the media narrative that the Chiefs are just this, this juggernaut because I don't believe it's the case. And there is this assumption that, you know, in other words, there was, there was a debate early on that whether or not Pat Mahomes would regress. And Pat Mahomes is coming out and he's throwing up a bunch of stats and everything's great. And all the people that said he wouldn't regress are, you know, marching around gloating. And the people that said, of course, he's going to regress have kind of tucked their tails and are, are walking away. Look, PFF right now has the Chiefs ranked as the 22nd best team in football. So, again, there, there, there's a media love affair with the team. There's no question. But even the offense right now, I know they get a lot of points and everything, but again, let's keep this in context of who they've gone up against. The Chiefs are ranked via PFF 15th on offense. In other words, they don't like these players as much as everyone else does. If the Chiefs were in the NFC North and replaced the Bears, they would have the fourth best offense via PFF. Now, I know a lot of you are just saying that's ridiculous, and I know... Like, we love PFF when it verifies what we think, and we think it's a joke when it doesn't. I get that, but again, let me remind you that a lot of times when I say stuff and I'm right, and I'm right and everybody else is wrong, it's not because I'm a super genius. I'm simply looking at PFF and saying, you know, I know what the narrative is, but that's not necessarily the case. The Chiefs, in terms of their grades via PFF, have four people that are in the 80s, that are in the very good category. Pat Mahomes is not one of them. He is, he is the fifth best person on their offense. Tyreek Hill is number one because he's an absolute freak. When Mike Pettin says he's the fastest person he's ever seen on a football field, that's not hyperbole. A lot of people have said that, that, he, they, that nobody has ever seen anybody as fast as this guy. People are saying that he legitimately is the next Randy Moss. I think it goes under the radar because everyone loves Pat Mahomes and his no-look passes. And, you know, he does things all fancy-like. And he is good. I, please understand, I, I know he's very good. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying it's overinflated because people are obsessed with the stats and the fact that he, do, he does no-look passes. Nobody's talking about the fact that Tyreek Hill, not that he makes Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes right now is basically playing with the next Randy Moss. I, that, that has been said about Tyreek Hill, and I tend to believe that about Tyreek Hill. He, he is a, a sort of one of these once-in-a-generation players that nobody really wants to give that amount of credit to because everyone's so obsessed with Pat Mahomes. By the way, Travis Kelsey is another one of those people in that very good category. He is probably the best tight end in football right now, at least arguably. So this is what Pat Mahomes is working with. By the way, Sammy Watkins is a fairly talented wide receiver. He's not elite, transcendent, any of that stuff. But you take that, you take the fact that he's had fairly good running backs, he lost one, and then the fact that in the past, at least, he's had one of the best offensive lines in football. And then Andy Reid is one of the best play callers in football. You know, Pat Mahomes has thrived. And again, he has a special, unique talent. I get that. Like, the, the, the arm talent is impressive. But I, I, I think we need to give credit where credit is due. And right now, Pat Mahomes is getting all of it. Andy Reid is getting, you know, Pat Mahomes is getting all of Andy Reid's credit, all of Tyreek Hill's credit, all of Travis Kelsey's credit. And that's unnecessary. Right now, Pat Mahomes is graded out as the tied for the 12th best quarterback in football. 12th. Now, let me let me redo this because there's a couple people that shouldn't be on the list. Although Drew Brees is on the list, he probably should be, but he's going to get filtered out because he hasn't been playing. Whatever. We'll keep it consistent. 
If we filter out the people that only played a couple snaps, Pat Mahomes is tied for ninth. Now that's pretty good, but please understand, he's tied with Matt Stafford. Now that's probably more of a, a credit to Matt Stafford than anything because he's, he's actually playing quite well. But again, just to put this in context, if he was in the NFC North and they were replacing the Bears, it would be Aaron Rodgers at the top, behind him you'd have Kirk Cousins, and then you would have Matt Stafford and Pat Mahomes tied. And, you know, again, you would say PFF is garbage all you want, that's fine. But also understand, and I, I've gone through this when I was laying into Trubisky relentlessly, what they have and what they release um, is a gigantic PDF that lays out every minute detail and everything else about everything these quarterbacks have done. And the in-depth look at every single pass, and not just was it completed like a stat, but super advanced stats like where was the ball thrown? And they have zones. And based on the accuracy of the throw, based on the pressure, based on all these different factors, they come up with that's what feeds into these grades. So the grades aren't just subject. It's not like me when I do grades where I look at it and go, eh, two points, right? That's that's me doing grades. Like that that was that was good. That was that was real good. I don't have a strict criteria. PFF does. There is a series of questions. Um, you know, was he under pressure? And pressure, of course, is based. You know, it's very straight. It's 350 page document that that lays out how you grade. And you can disagree with it all you want and say that that's probably, you know, they're not doing it the right way. But again, for me to sit here having not watched more than 30 seconds of Pat Mahomes and all I see is probably the same thing that you see, which is just the media gushing over highlights like, oh, look, you looked at the ref. (laughs) He's so crazy, man. He looked at the ref, bro. I mean, it's look, he's good, but there's this love affair and it's a little overblown. I understand he leads the league in yards. I understand he's tied with touchdowns. A big part of the reason he leads the league in yards is because he leads the league in yards per attempt. That's a little bit easier to do when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill on your team, right? Again, he's a good quarterback. He's a talented quarterback. He has the ability to put the ball right where it needs to be, but Tyreek Hill is kind of good at going really far down the field, and even if he doesn't, is really good at taking the ball really far down the field. Because if you throw the ball two yards down the field and he takes in an additional 40, that is considered a 42-yard completion, right? That's how that's how Tom Brady always had like higher than usual numbers because he would just dump it off to Gronk, who would steamroll six people 40 yards down the field. A 42-yard completion by Tom Brady. It's like, no, dude, that was a two-yard completion. And again, similar situation. Everybody gave Tom Brady the credit for that, despite the fact that Tom Brady did nothing and Gronk just did something superhuman. But yeah, Tom Brady is great. So again, I'm really not trying to undercut the the team obviously i'm trying to just put it in its proper perspective that pat mahomes is a really good player on a team full of really good players with a coach that's really good it's not the pat mahomes show it's not just pat mahomes comes out and carves everybody up because he's a freak and he like checks out the ref real quick like dude check this out and then he doesn't look and he does like a hook shot over the top of his head 30 yards down the field right into tyreek's you know arms who obviously isn't even open because he's not even that good That's not what's happening in Kansas City right now. And it's part of the reason why even if Pat Mahomes is out, there's a good chance that your team can throw up 30 points on somebody like the Denver Broncos. Despite the fact the yards are going down and whatnot, because the supporting cast, including the coach, offensive coordinator, etc., are so good. Anyways, continuing on here. um, Somewhat of a correlation with rushing yard, although I don't think we necessarily need to worry about it. Um, the, the, The reason I say that is the two losses... 
came uh, with 53 yards rushing and 36 yards rushing. I see almost no scenario in which we keep the Chiefs under 50 yards rushing. So not even really super going to discuss that one. Um, offensive turnover is not a huge correlation. Uh, they, they did win all their games in which they don't turn the ball over. I think that's fairly common with a lot of teams. But the most turnovers they had in a game was three against the Lions, and they won that game. So it's definitely not a direct correlation. Uh, defensively for the Chiefs, no correlation for anything. And again, I think that's just because it has more to do with their offense. It's their offense and our defense that make the most difference in this game. All right, if you look at total yards given up, the, the game in which they gave up the most yards against the Texans, they lost. But, you know, 472, but the game right behind that, 452, they won that game. 447, they won that game. 428, they won that game. 331 against the, the Colts, they lost. So, again, there's is not a correlation. I mean, there's a breaking point, same with, like, turnovers. So turnovers don't super matter, but when you get to three, you're kind of getting into trouble here, even though they did win that game. Same with yards. Like, there's a certain point at which you – the yards don't matter, but if we get to 500, it's it's kind of hard even for the Chiefs to overcome that. But that's generally not going to be a correlation that matters. You know, passing yards, uh, the most passing yards they gave up was 347 yards to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they won that game. The second least amount of yards they gave up was 151 to the Colts. They lost that game. So, again, not a real strong correlation. Even turnovers, which this is maybe the first time I've ever seen this, offensive turnovers don't super matter. Defensive turnovers don't also super matter. The most turnovers their defense had in a game was three, and they lost that game to the Houston Texans. So, again, the most turnovers they gave up was three, and they won. The most turnovers they got in a game was three, and they lost that game. So kind of unusual that turnovers don't super matter. But again, the the general theme that I'm getting here is they're a team that their defense isn't super reliable and they don't count on their defense very much. Occasionally the defense steps up, but they, they almost don't even super care because it doesn't really matter, right? Defense held the Colts to 19 and they lost that game because the offense didn't do its job. Again, 2011 Packers all over again. They're expecting the offense to go up and put up 30 points. And if they don't, then they're in trouble. Or in their case, I guess it's, what did I say, 28. 28 points and over, the Raiders are undefeated. Under 28 points, they're 0-2. And again, the other takeaway, the yardage total, as well as the passing yards in general, almost every single week have gone down. So I don't know why, but that's definitely something to wonder about. Also a bonus, this is the first time in several weeks that we've played a team that is not coming off a bye. Um, another final note before we take our second break here. This is kind of a weird situation because usually your team kind of gets more and more and more and more injured as the season goes on. The Packers started getting a flurry of injuries, and it seems like there's this weird time in which everybody seems to be coming back. The only person that really didn't practice that I can see, at least on the injury report, is Devontae Adams. There's a huge list, but everybody was full or limited, and I'm, I'm pretty sure all the limited guys are veterans. Now, it doesn't say veteran rest outside of Balaga and Mercedes Lewis, but I don't also think it's a coincidence that Brian Balaga was limited, uh, Jimmy Graham limited, Mercedes Lewis limited, Aaron Rodgers limited, Tremont Williams limited. Those are all the veteran guys. Everybody else was full participation. Adrian Amos full, Tony Brown full, Oren Burks full, Kenny Clark full, B.J. Goodson full, Alan Lazard full, Blake is full, Will Redmond's full, Darnell Savage full, Robert Tanyan full, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is full. Some of these people probably didn't even realize were on the list, but the bottom line is everybody seems to be healthy right now. The Chiefs, on the other hand, that's not exactly the case. Frank Clark is their um, 
that's the guy they paid a ton of money for. He's really struggling this year. He's not doing very well, but there's a lot of guys that we've gone up against that aren't exactly doing what they're expected to do, but you know that they're very, very good. And, um, you know, typically they come in and they're pretty dominant because it's what they do. If Frank Clark is out, they're in a lot of trouble because they have nobody else. Frank Clark is their one pass rusher because they had two last year. They had two, probably the best pass rush duo in football. They got rid of both of them for whatever reason, changed to a 4-3 scheme, brought in a 4-3 defensive end, who everybody said was the greatest ever, not having a very good year. Now he has a neck injury, hasn't played in the last, or hasn't practiced the last two days. So I don't know exactly what his status is, but that is seriously troubling for the Chiefs. Maybe even a bigger issue is Chris Jones has not practiced the last two games, uh, you know, Thursday and, and Wednesday, with a groin injury. Chris Jones is Kenny Clark. Just if, if I were to sum him up, he's Kenny Clark. Very, very young, unbelievably talented, one of the best young defensive tackles in football. And very similar to Kenny Clark, he's struggled quite a bit this year. Now, he's had two really good games, week two and week four, but he's had three not good games at all. So it's very weird that both of these guys are very young. Both of these guys are some of the best defensive tackles in football. Both of them early draft picks, right? Kenny was late first, Chris Jones early second. Both of them struggling this year, but Chris Jones is, again, despite the the, the struggles, he's dominant. Dominant, dominant, dominant. Um, on top of that, linebacker Darren Lee, they don't really have good linebackers, but anytime you have a starting linebacker that's not playing, which, I mean, what, what do you call a starter, I guess? He gets a relatively significant amount of snaps, but either way, he's, he's out. And also, Kendall Fuller is hurt. Now, uh, similar to the linebackers, they've got three main corners, kind of like most teams. Uh, Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breland, to give you an idea of how dire the situation is, are their top two corners, in terms of snap counts anyways. With Kendall Fuller being out, Rashad Fenton has come in in the, uh, the slot, he did a pretty good job, but he's only got 45 snaps under his name as a result of filling in. So basically what we're looking at is their best corner is Charvarius Ward. He's not good at all. The only reason his PFF grade is even almost close to being in the good category is because of his run defense. His coverage grade is average. Kendall Fuller, excuse me, uh, Bashad Breland, the guy that everybody really liked here, and for relative good reason. He had some very minor success for a very limited period of time, so there was some hope that we could tap into that, but... You know, it, it just wasn't really a thing. Bashad Breland has a 73.6 run defense grade, very similar to Charvarius Ward. His coverage grade is a 42.5. So he's really bad. So that's the, the, the corner situation is, is rough. And again, Kendall Fuller is down. Not sure if he's going to play. I don't know the status, thumb injury. But I also don't know that the Chiefs super care because anybody coming in to replace Kendall Fuller is probably going to be roughly as good as Kendall Fuller. Other guys that are currently limited, um, Andrew Wiley, their guard has an ankle injury. He didn't practice Wednesday. He's limited Thursday, probably going to play. Uh, Pat Mahomes has been limited all week. I want to talk a little bit more about that after the break. Um, Eric Fisher, very, very good tackle. He's also been limited. I'm assuming he's going to play. So anyways, those are the injuries. The Chiefs definitely coming in with two very, very, very major injuries in Frank Clark and Chris Jones. We'll see what their status is come game time. That That's going to be huge. And, and again, it's it's not so much the defense, it's the offense. But it's hard for a team to expect their offense to do anything if your defense doesn't do at least something. And Chris Jones and Frank Clark are the guys that are going to make sure that you can at least keep the Packers in check sometimes, right? Occasionally a, a, a drive will flare out. It doesn't take very much. We see this all the time with the Packers defense where it just, you know, the, a, a, an offense is dominant. Pretty much every game. The Eagles were just dominant. The Cowboys were dominant. The Lions were dominant. Pretty much everybody did whatever they want whenever they wanted. 
right? Don't like saying it, but it's kind of the reality. When they passed the ball, they passed for a lot of yards. When they ran the ball, they ran for like eight yards of carry. It was just at will. But it doesn't take very much to flare out, right? First down, you run the ball, you get no yard. Second down, incomplete pass. Suddenly it's third and long. Like, how do we get here? Like, they can do whatever they want. And then one really good play, whether it's a sack or, you know, this is the time when the Packers defense steps up, right? That, that's kind of what you're shooting for. That's what the Chiefs, I think, are going to be shooting for is just find a way to get a drive to flare out so that we can get ahead in the scoring race. But without Frank Clark and Chris Jones, that becomes extremely difficult. So anyways, don't have a huge amount of time, but let's take a break and kind of come in and clean up a few extra little details. One more plug that I forgot. Um, I've got another Facebook group that is an NFL Draft Facebook group. It's groups forward slash uh, mock drafts with an S. I'm just plugging it for anybody that is a draft fan. And the only reason I'm really plugging it right now is because I'm doing a, a, a mock draft in the group. And I'm not getting any participation and nobody seems to understand how it works. Which is just blowing my mind a little bit that nobody understands what you, I'm asking you to do. But I really want to get this done, and I just need people to go in and vote. I don't really care what your thoughts are. Just go up and pull up a big board, grab a name that makes sense, whatever. I just need to get through this, and I'm, I'm not getting what I need. So if, if that sounds interesting, if you want to do a mock draft where you get to make the pick, it's just done by poll. So, you know, for example, Lions are on the clock, and I'm, I'm not putting names in the poll this time. Last time I did, because I want you guys to put names in. And it's hilarious to me how everyone's got a big mouth and an opinion until I turn the camera on you. And it's like, all right, big guy, your turn. What do you think? And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. Stop running your mouth then, bro. Everybody wants to just sit back and say how dumb everybody else is. Step up to the plate and show your opinion, man. Anyways, again, if that sounds interesting, jump in the Facebook group. Uh, it's, it's live. It's rolling right now. We're about halfway through. Um, I'll put a, a, a link in our Facebook group when the Packers are up, because that's when most people are going to be interested. But some of you are probably big NFL draft fans, and I just wanted to extend that out to you. And again, I need to get this done because I want to make a, a podcast out of it, and everyone is just dragging their feet, and it's driving me crazy. Anyways, sorry, break time. So you may remember yesterday when I told you about my bookie that although I'm not telling you what to do because I don't want to get in the business of giving you advice and then you lose money and whatever. However, I kind of mentioned, maybe hinted slightly, that the Vikings game, I think they were like 16 point, 16 and a half point favorite. And then that, and that, that is kind of a big number. They won by 10. So had you maybe just overheard what I was saying and had sort of kind of an opinion that maybe, although the Vikings would probably win, maybe not quite by that much. And you put a little bit of cash down on the Washington Redskins, you would have won money. Just throwing that out there. Something else to keep an eye on. And again, this is moving a lot. The Packers currently are four-point favorites. The over-under right now is set at 48. That's going up. I think it's right that it's going up, especially with the injuries currently to the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, again, I'm not telling you what to do because a lot of times when you look at a game and you say, man, this is going to be like 50 to 50. It's going to be the highest scoring game ever. It ends up being something dumb like 10 to 7. For some weird reason that happens. However, the Chiefs, again, are scoring in and around 30 points a game. The Packers are scoring in and around 30 points a game. Both defenses are struggling to stop other people. Obviously, if Pat Mahomes is out and the, the, you know, the yardage keeps going down, there's some concern here. But, I mean, 48 cut in half is 24. It, just, it would seem weird that it would be less than 24-24. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't, you do whatever you want. Maybe you want to wait and see about Pat Mahomes and some of these other things just to make sure before you get there. Just understand that if Pat Mahomes is officially full go, this is going to jump up to like 51 and a half. 
However, if he's officially out, it's probably going to drop. So I, I don't know. You, Whatever. Again, monitor it. Also, don't forget, if you're not into that kind of stuff, you got season-long things that are kind of fun. Uh, you got some prop bets if you want to get a little bit more specific about certain players and yardage and all that kind of stuff. Just head over to MyBookie and check it out. See if anything kind of catches your attention. And, of course, remember that we teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they're going to match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Also, if you're not into putting up money to try to make money, but instead want to put up money to support your team by going to watch them, I really want to encourage you to use Vivid Seats to get all your tickets. And it's not too late. I'm looking at it right now. If you and a buddy want to jump in a car and go see uh, the Chiefs play, you can grab uh, two tickets for 119 bucks each, if you're willing to sit nosebleeds, obviously. But, you know, whatever. Again, they, they've got all kinds of ways to filter and sort things out to make sure you get the right tickets that you want for the right price. Another feature that I absolutely love, I don't know if this also works on mobile, um, but one of the things I love is when you click on a seat and it shows you what the stadium view is from there. I, I love that because I, I want to know. I can't tell from this goofy little graphic what it's going to look like but you just hover over the thing and it's like oh here's what the seats look like because we took a picture from literally every seat in the stadium or at least the section i don't know but it is a very very cool feature either way please remember that they also have their vivid seats loyalty reward program where when you buy tickets you get rewards back and each and every ticket is guaranteed and backed by 100 percent buyer guarantee so whether it's a packer game or a concert ticket or whatever, stop in at Vivid Seats first, rack up those rewards, especially if you're somebody that attends a lot of events. And also don't forget, when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive up to a $100 discount. So just looking at the team, just as a, a very quick overview of kind of what we're looking at here. This team, first of all, starting with the interior of the offense, the offensive line. Typically, this is a very good offensive line from, from end to end. However, right now what we're looking at is a team that just has two very good tackles, one of which is hurt. But um, Fisher and Schwartz are very, very good. This is very similar to Bakhtiari and Balaga. That is somewhat problematic for the Packers insofar as the interior of our defensive line is doing almost nothing so far this year. Kenny Clark has a great opportunity here to really make a statement game, and we kind of need that. Because assuming Fisher plays, again, Fisher and Schwartz are very, very good. Getting Relying on just Preston and Zedarius to assault the quarterback could be difficult. Now, I don't want to talk strategy, so I'll leave that alone. Make a note on that. But the offensive line right now is, is you could almost say it's bad with, with some very talented tackles. Uh, the wide receiver situation, obviously Tyreek Hill is... Uh, one of the best. He's just, he's super, super scary. And you can use him a lot of ways, right? It, it's He's got the speed so he can beat you deep. Right? This is going to be a, a pretty big Jair matchup, I'm thinking. But he's also super twitchy. Right? He, I mean, he's, he, again, he's being compared to Randy Moss for a reason because he does everything. And he's also one of those guys that you just get the ball in his hand and he makes crazy stuff happen. Um, after that, they got Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is good, not great. Um, he's a, you know, I guess a prototypical number two. He's just a he's a good football player, and he's kind of on that level where teams that don't have wide receivers are looking at Watkins, and you know he he could go be a number one on some team, but um, not an ideal number one. He, he's just in that top tier number two wide receiver. After that, their number three, Demarcus Robinson, is is he does nothing. I, sh I shouldn't say that though, because if we're looking at PFF grades, he's kind of like our number twos, which I know is going to make people angry. Whatever, it, it doesn't matter. I'm just I'm just giving you comps for grades. Bottom line is the, the offense has very little to do with him. Um, Travis Kelsey, as you know, is a very, 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 very good tight end. 
that's going to be problematic. We've seen what happens with tight ends. For example, the Oakland Raiders had a very good tight end. They leaned on that tight end, and they just tore up the Packers like they were nothing. Finding a way to take Kelsey out of the equation is going to be very important. The problem is it's going to be harder this week than it was last week because last week all we had to do was stop Darren Waller. That's literally all we had to do, and we couldn't do it. There was nobody else. They didn't have any wide receivers. This time we got Tyreek Hill to worry about as the number one weapon to be worried. Granted, these are isolated individual things in and of themselves, so you got Jair over on Hill, maybe with a little bit of help over to that side, and then Kelsey's a separate entity, but still it makes it harder because Kelsey's better than Waller, and they also have other weapons that we have to worry about. So so there is, I mean, again, it's not just if Pat Mahomes doesn't play, then we're fine. Not at all. All Moore has to do is get the ball kind of where it generally needs to be, and more than likely a lot of these guys are going to be open. Defensively, as I've said, really, really, really not a good team. Uh, Frank Clark even has not been playing very well, and he may not even be in this game. Um, Tano Passigno, I, I never really liked him coming out of college. He hasn't done very much. He's some sort of one of those outside-inside guys. It looks like they're keeping him mostly inside. Um, the best guy they've got right now on the entire defensive line is Emmanuel Ogba, who's not all that great. Um, you know, Derek Nadi is kind of mediocre. Alex Okafor is doing terrible. Uh, Kalen Saunders has been horrible. There's just nothing. And again, Bashad Breland on the outside is terrible. He's one of the worst corners in football right now, similar to what he was when he was with the Packers. Uh, Juan Thornhill, the rookie, is, you know, as far as rookies, he's okay. He's not great, but also on this defense, as bad as it is, he's one of the <laughs> one of the best players they have. Uh, Tyron Matthew, which I, I never really understood the love for Tyron Matthew. Everyone is obsessed with Tyron Matthew. He really... He was good early in his career, right? I mean, there, there was all this, like, he's got some off-field issues and whatever. He's working through that, and, you know, he, it's just, but he's really good when he's on the field. He hasn't been good since 2015, man. He just hasn't. I mean, 2013, his rookie year, he was great. 2014, he kind of dropped off. 2015, elite, right? Super good. And it's like people just can't let it go. And I think that's part of the problem with not actually really paying attention. We just know names. And when you hear Tyron Matthew is a freak and he's super good and everyone's all excited about him, then you, you just it, it just gets baked into you, and that's just the thing forever until people come out and start talking about how bad they are. But nobody's saying he's bad because he's not bad. He just kind of fell off into mediocrity. And because nobody hears his name, when his name comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, Tyron Matthews a freak. It's like, no, dude, he hasn't been a freak since 2015, and that was like one year. He's been good to average ever since. And he's on track to have one of his worst years. Uh, 2016 is maybe the only year when which he was worse. Again, he's fine, but he's I mean he's mediocre. The only guy that is super super impactful right now on this defense is Reggie Ragland. Reggie's been kind of up and down, right? He had a really good rookie year, terrible second year. Um, didn't even play the the whole year this year. In fact, he hasn't played hardly at all. I don't know if he's got injury issues or what the deal is. But um, really, last week was the first time he took any kind of significant snaps. He took 25 snaps in that game. Prior to that, week six was his highest at seven snaps. But, you know, so so he's got a really high grade, but a lot of that has to do with limited sample size. Maybe he's not that good, and that's not why they're playing him. Maybe he's injured. I don't know what the situation is. But he's the only one with an even somewhat decent grade on the defense, and apparently they're not even playing him very much. In fact, if I had to guess, he maybe came in to replace Darren Lee. I don't, I don't know. But that, that's kind of the team in a nutshell. Offensive line is good but beatable. Wide receivers are very scary. And it's one of those situations where if we can get King and Jair to play just really good football, that, that might even be the biggest thing. And again, I want to save a lot of this for tomorrow. But really, 
if I had to pick something, like, give me, what is one thing you really want to happen? I want King and Jair to have a great day at the same time, because they just refuse to do that. One of them has a great day, the other one has a bad day. If King and Jair, in other words, Jair is matched up on Hill, and he has one of those days like he had against the Rams, where he went up against a very, very good wide receiver, a bunch of very good wide receivers, and locked it down. And if King has a good day against Watkins, I, I, I just I think the Packers annihilate this team. And I know Travis Kelsey is still a really big factor here. So it's it's but then essentially what you're doing is you're turning the Chiefs into the Raiders, where it's a really bad defense and probably maybe even worse than the Raiders, and an offense that has a tight end, right? That that turns the Chiefs into the Raiders. Jair and Kevin King are probably the biggest keys to this game, and they have the ability. Both of them have the ability to be locked down, shut down corners. They also both have a very bad habit of just saying, eh, I'm not doing anything in this game. And again, my, my biggest issue with both of them, right, I'm, I'm off the Kevin King is bad train. I'm on the Kevin King is wildly inconsistent train, right? We're, we're moving in the correct direction. There has to be more consistency, and at some point, these guys have to have a good game together. This has to be the game. And that could be a massive statement. It's a massive statement for the defense. It's a massive statement for, you know, the, the D-train, whatever. It's a big statement for King and Jair as being locked down corners, because if you lock down this group, that's wildly impressive. Like, people are already over Jair and, and real big on him for a good reason. But if he's able to, and, and when I say shut down, I'm talking, I'm not saying no receptions. But if this is one of those games where there's a lot of, of targets out to Hill and Jair ends up with like three, four pass breakups, and it, you know at the end of the day, Hill's got, you know I don't know, eight targets, three receptions for 25 yards and no touchdowns, that, that, is, that, is, that would be elite, and we need that. And, and, and again, Sammy Watkins isn't an elite player, but he's talented. He's a big dude. He's a fast guy. It's, it, that would be a physical matchup between those two, and Kevin King can handle that. He's a he's a big dude himself. Big and physical is what Kevin King does. So um, the only other note is, and it's weird because I don't think there's a huge amount of disagreement out there, which is generally weird because usually the goal is just just win. I want Pat Mahomes to play in this game. I do. I know that makes things significantly harder on the Packers. I know at the end of the season, if the Packers are beneath the Vikings in the rankings, we're going to be looking back on this, and people are going to be looking back at me. That's one of those things that's going to make people just set people off. You know, if, if we're behind the Vikings by a game or whatever, they're going to look back at my comment now if we lose to the Chiefs when Pat Mahomes is there and say, yeah, how much do you want now? I, I do, though. I think everybody does. I think a lot of Packer fans do. Obviously, the Chiefs do. I think everyone in the national media does. It just, and it's not even like a hatred thing between Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. It's not even about, from what I gauge, it's not in me, and from what I can tell on Twitter and just trying to gauge the temperature, it doesn't feel like Packer fans are, are looking at Pat Mahomes saying, we're going to show you who's a better quarterback. It's just about, this is a matchup of titans, right? This is this is what everybody needs. This is what everybody wants. Pat Mahomes is is deservedly considered sort of the next Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers acknowledges that. I think Pat Mahomes recognizes that Aaron Rodgers is the OG, right? He says, I studied Aaron Rodgers because I want to be Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't have to be this one or the other thing. It can be both, right? Aaron Rodgers is still doing it. Aaron Rodgers is still the man, and, and the, the torch is currently... You know, as long as Aaron Rodgers is doing it, it's not being passed off, right? There's just two torches, right? Relax. It's not a zero-sum game here. But I also think it, it's it's good for the Packers and good for... It, 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 if the Packers beat the Chiefs without Pat Mahomes, nobody cares. 
Nobody cares. The, the Vikings are going to be mocking us. The Lions are going to mock us. Everyone's going to mock us. You guys can't beat anybody. You got lucky. The Chiefs didn't blah, 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 blah. The Packers aren't, you know, they're, they're going to feel good about it, and, and but it's going to be sort of a defensive thing where they're going to look at it and say, uh, you know, just because Pat Mahomes isn't there, you know that they're still a good team, right? It, it, it takes on a different tone. I feel like the Packers need this. I feel like the Packers, and they can do it. That's I've been saying that since week one. The Packers can beat the Chiefs. I think they're the right kind of team to take on the Chiefs, right? It, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a massive battle. The defense is going to be tested like nobody else. But I, I just think this is the kind of game that they need. You know, the, the Vikings and the Packers have been playing a lot of bad teams. There's been a lot of close stuff. You know, you're only winning because of the refs, blah, blah, blah. This is a statement game. This is the one that puts everybody on notice. And all that swagger and all that attitude converging in Arrowhead on the Chiefs and beating them in their own stadium with their own quarterback, with Aaron Rodgers having the ability to show, I love you, man, but I'm still the king. Everybody wants and needs that. I want that. And I, I fully understand that makes it a lot more likely we lose this game. But I still want it. And I'm not mad at you if you disagree. I understand if you disagree. But I, I really think this has the ability to really kind of fortify. I mean, the, the team is growing. It's growing every single week, and I love seeing the growth. Super big props to Matt LaFleur, the locker room, the leaders in that locker room like Zadarius, and being able to build that and grow every day. But, man, can you even imagine the amount of of swagger and just, I, I don't know the words, but the, the every analogy I can think of is super lame and takes away. I, I was going to go Highlander, but that's, <laughs> it's kind of like that, though. You know, there can be only one, which is, I mean, that's true, Super Bowl and whatnot. But also, when you beat somebody, you kind of like, what is it, you like take their soul or something weird? And then it makes you, I think it makes you more powerful. I don't remember, it was a long time ago when I used to watch that show. I just know you had to cut the guy's head off and then, like, this white, soulish, ghostish thing, like, went into him and he's like, yeah. And I think they got stronger. I don't know. But that's what we're talking about. Oh, you know what? You know what it reminds me of? You ever seen The Patriot? Mel Gibson and whatnot? Remember that ending scene where you got the bad guy who's really hardcore and awesome? And then you got Mel Gibson? And they're, like, slaughtering people on the way to each other? I'm looking at it as Packers Patriots. They're on that side wiping out everybody we're on this side cutting through people we take out the chiefs and suddenly the the patriots kind of look up like whoa what and it kind of becomes this this thing where it's like all right let's do this then like you want to step up and be all big and bad let's do this it's it's establishing yourself as i I don't know why you're looking down on me because if we go toe to toe i'm gonna smash you and it's a statement to the patriots it's a statement to the vikings to the bears to everybody the 49ers right 49ers are undefeated great defense all this stuff how much different of a tone is it coming out of our bye, going up against the 49ers, who will very possibly still be undefeated by the time we get there, if we beat the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes as opposed to without? If we beat him without Pat Mahomes, which I, I, I do believe more than 50% he won't play, but we'll see, we're going into that game with the narrative that, that they haven't beat anybody. Nobody. Chargers are no good. Panthers are a mess. Chiefs didn't have Mahomes. Lions are no good. Oakland's no good. Right? They, they've beaten a bunch of bad teams. Now they're going to go against the 49ers and they're going to get smoked. We beat the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. That doesn't happen. And and by the way, all that media narrative stuff, it gets into the players. As much as they say, I don't listen, and I don't pay attention, and all that stuff. Even if it's not coming from the media, there's a, there's a little seed being planted in them from themselves. Right? We haven't proven ourselves. We haven't tested ourselves. Whatever. I want Pat Mahomes to play in this game, and I want the Packers to beat them with Pat Mahomes. That's what I want to happen. Anyways, I gotta go. I'm way beyond my time here. 
You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.